The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately, her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. And falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had immediately been healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she's not dead, sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned. And she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came with power to heal, with the grace to see us in our need, to respond with the outpouring of your love. Would you heal us today? Would you pour your love on us today? Would you meet us in our desperate need for you? We pray for the honor and glory of your name. Amen. Please be seated. We're going to talk about desperation this morning. What happens when you reach the end of your rope or the edge of the cliff? When nothing works and no one's coming to help? That aching need that pushes you right up to the point of panic and then throws you down exhausted. We're gonna talk about desperation because that's what we see in our passage from Luke's Gospel. You're going to want to turn there with me to Luke chapter 8. It's on page 866. And our story begins at verse 40. Page 866, Luke 8, verse 40. There is no desperation quite like the desperation of a father whose only daughter is dying. You can imagine this well-respected leader in the synagogue searching frantically for Jesus. He's seen him teach, he's witnessed his healings, he's probably treated him with suspicion. Now he's willing to try anything. So when Jesus arrives back in town after a day away, Jairus rushes to him, falls at his feet, and begs him to come to his home. His daughter is 12. She is his joy. And she has been his delight for 12 wonderful years. Now she's dying. 
Without a word, Jesus goes. But the way is choked with people because Jairus isn't the only one who's desperate. As Jesus went, Luke tells us in verse 42, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. This woman is on her own. For 12 years, she's been bleeding. Almost certainly a uterine hemorrhage of some kind. She has spent her life savings on the empty promises of physicians. For 12 years, according to Jewish purity law, she has been unclean and unable to participate in worship at the synagogue. She appears to have no father, no husband, no one to run to Jesus for her. There's the frantic desperation of a worried parent. Then there is the lonely desperation of the chronically ill. The first is wild-eyed, rushed, and nearly hysterical. The second is quiet and resigned. Two very different people, both desperate for Jesus. Jairus is a member of the elite, a leader in the community, wealthy and well-respected. He has an entourage and servants. This woman has no name. She's been living on the fringe of society for so long that people seem to have forgotten who she is. She's not so much an outcast as she is just another piece of broken pottery lying on the discard heap at the edge of town. For the 12 years that Jairus has delighted in his daughter, this unnamed woman has danced with despair. But there's just enough hope in her heart for one last try. And so she comes to Jesus quietly Luke tells us in verse 44, she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? Well, at that moment, Jesus almost certainly stopped walking. Jairus must have been beside himself, knowing that every moment mattered. The unnamed woman must have been overcome by shock at the instant healing of her body and terrified at the prospect of being discovered. Luke continues, when all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she wasn't hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had immediately been healed. She had approached stealthily and touched Jesus discreetly, almost certainly because of the Jewish law. She knew that if Jesus touched her, he would become unclean ceremonially, and he would have to go through ritual cleansing before he could be with other people. She didn't want to inconvenience him. She didn't want to stop him from going with Jairus. She just wanted to be healed, and he was the only one who could do it. So she touched the edge of his robe, not even technically him, and she was healed instantly. That was perfect timing. <laughs> what she didn't know is that Jesus would notice. Now, I can't think of any other episode in the Gospels when Jesus heals someone without clearly intending to. Nowhere else does healing happen as if by accident. So what does this tell us about Jesus? 
I think it tells us two things. His power is extraordinary, and His purpose is abundantly clear. So it's that time of year when on a dry day, static electricity builds up in our clothing. And that energy, it's always seeking an outlet, and it can surprise us with a shock. It's there beneath the surface waiting to be unleashed. According to the Gospel of John, Jesus joined God the Father in speaking creation into being. He formed the sun that burns at 27 million degrees at its core in the center of our solar system. That's the man who's walking through Jairus' village. And that's the power that lies within him. He has the power to light the sun on fire. Why should we be surprised that he can cauterize a wound? Sometimes I think we make the mistake of seeing Jesus' miracles as the ultimate expression of his power, when in reality they're just a glimmer. Jesus is so powerful and so ready to use his power that one desperate touch of the hem of his robe caused that power to flow from him. But the power he possesses and the power that he released are like the heat of the sun on the one hand and the spark from a doorknob on the other. Jesus is all-powerful, and we catch a glimpse of his extraordinary power in this moment. We also see the purpose of his ministry among us, and that is to heal. Making whole is what Jesus does. He's in the business of restoring things, restoring health to bodies, restoring our relationship with God the Father, restoring life to the dead. But making whole isn't just what he does, it's who he is. In this moment, we see the character of God on display. When he meets with the desperate need of a sick and lonely woman who has come to him for help, he cannot help but heal her. This is the Jesus that I know and love. This is the Jesus we worship. This isn't some great teacher who laid down a path to happiness. This is the all-powerful creator who cannot help but heal his people when they come to him in need. Let's get back to our passage because there's more to come. Verse 48, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. There's already a daughter in this story, and it's not this woman. It's Jairus' daughter, beloved and cared for, whose frantic father is standing next to Jesus at this very moment, aching for him to move on. Well, there was one daughter in this story. Now there are two. You see what Jesus has done with a simple word? He's adopted her. He set upon her the same love that Jairus has for his little girl. He's put an end to her isolation and her loneliness. He has restored her to the community, and he's claimed her as his own. And now she belongs to him, not as a possession, but as the object of his affection. How can we not love a man who does this? But the story's not over. There is the other daughter. And her father is thrumming with fear beside Jesus. Verse 49. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter's dead. 
Don't trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Don't fear, only believe, and she will be well. There is profound dissonance in this moment. Jairus' household servant has come to him with the news that he's been dreading, to which Jesus says, don't worry, everything's going to be fine. Those two statements, they hang in the air in total discord. Jairus knows that his daughter's dead. He also knows what he has just seen. He had come to Jesus in desperation. Now, in the face of total devastation, Jesus invites him to keep trust. And Jairus dares and beckons him home. Verse 51. And when he came to the house, Jesus allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she's not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. The child's brought back to life. And so the desperate father is restored to his daughter. Awe fills their home. But Jesus doesn't trumpet his work. He insists that it remain quiet. This is such an arresting sequence of events. Two very different people, driven by two very different kinds of desperation, appear before Jesus. One comes with absolute faith. The other is invited into it. Both receive the healing that they long for. Desperation drives this story. But what does it have to do with us? Tom Douglas has been nominated for an Oscar and a Golden Globe. He's a songwriter. He's won Grammy Awards. He's been inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. His piano-driven songs tend to be slow and meditative, marked by an awareness of the brokenness of human experience alongside the hope of redemption. Now, Douglas is a Christian. And I recently heard him interviewed about his life and faith. He shared how in his late 30s, he was in commercial property sales making cold calls at strip malls in Dallas. When one hot summer day in a fit of vocational frustration and midlife angst, he broke down before God in the middle of a shopping mall. He described that cry for help as perhaps the first honest conversation he had ever had with God. And it led him, not long after, to quit his job, move back to Nashville, and start over again as a songwriter, which turns out to have been a pretty good decision. (laughs) Reflecting on that moment in the shopping mall and its impact on his life, Douglas said, the greatest place to be before God is desperate. We spend so much time trying to figure things out on our own. We expend so much energy, energy trying to force things to work. At some point, most of us hit a wall. We don't know what we want. We don't know what to do or where to turn to or who to go to. We just know how needy we are. And it is precisely then and there that God wants our full attention. It is precisely then and there, as Tom Douglas describes it, 
that God says, now we can have an honest conversation. This sermon is part of a series called Sinners, Scoundrels, and Outcasts. We've been looking at how Jesus treats those whom others write off, reject, or despise. On this day by the Sea of Galilee, it's the unnamed woman who fits the bill of outcast, though she's not so much cast out as discarded. Jesus cares for her in the same way in which he cares for Jairus, her social opposite. And by doing so, he demonstrates once again that his healing powers for all people. But the story shows us something else. In their different forms of desperation, Jairus and the woman reveal the truth about our human condition. We live in a world broken by sin. Our hearts have been ruined by it. Our bodies bear the wounds inflicted by it. We're separated from God because of it. We don't merely experience desperate circumstances from which we need to be rescued. We are desperate people who need to be redeemed. Jairus and this unnamed woman, they both need Jesus, just like us, because we're all outcasts at the end of the day. Desperation is the gravity that draws us to Jesus. There's the acute desperation of special circumstances, like a sick child or a lost job or a grave illness. There's also the enduring desperation of our human condition, the reality that we are lost and broken and in need of salvation. We often fail to see the enduring desperation of our human condition until we get a window into it through the special desperation of our circumstances. And it's then that we cry out to God for help. But we mustn't be content to call on Jesus only in moments of acute need. He didn't come among us to give temporary relief. He wants to heal our human condition forever. Have you ever noticed how blasé Jesus seems to be about his own miracles? He's just not that impressed. He doesn't brag about them. He even tells people not to talk about them. I wonder if it's because he knows that the effects are temporary. These are flashes of kingdom power that reveal his character as one who heals, but they only give a glimpse of the kind of power that will one day be revealed in the healing of all creation and the resurrection of the dead. They're like the shock from a doorknob in February when what Jesus wants to unleash on us is the full heat of the sun. We stand desperate before God, whether we know it or not. But God doesn't desire that we stay in a state of desperation. Yes, as Tom Douglas says, it's a good place to be because it's an honest assessment of our condition. But mercifully, the Lord doesn't leave us there. Notice the sequence of events in these interlocking stories in Luke 8. In both the woman and Jairus, there is a movement from utter desperation to absolute dependence and then unspeakable joy. What begins with desperation, acute for Jairus, chronic for the unnamed woman, leads them to dependence on Jesus. They place their need before him to see what he will do. They realize they have no other choice. And in both cases, in both cases, Jesus brings healing that leads to joy. Now, it is true. 
you may not get the relief that you want here and now. Jesus may not spare your daughter. He may not heal your cancer. But he will do something greater. He will hold on to those who trust in him for eternal life, for the healing of all things, the restoration of creation, and the perfection of your humanity. These will come, and they will be forever. And your desperation, it will fade into distant memory. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, Jesus says in Matthew 11. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, he says in John 14. And then in John 16, he assures us, saying, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. If you're desperate today, good. It's a state in which you can have an honest conversation with God. Bring him your need, your sorrow, your shame, and ask him to bear them for you, to give you healing, to forgive your sin, to hold you fast for eternal life. Depend on him, and he will give you rest and peace and joy. Faith is not a disposition. It is an act of desperation born out of a brave recognition of the truth about our human condition. But faith isn't irrational, nor is it without direction. It is entirely reasonable because the man in whom we put our faith has demonstrated time and again that he can be trusted. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you with all different kinds of desperation, some acute, some chronic, some lingering in the distant background of our minds and our hearts. But we are all desperate for you in our human condition, in our brokenness and sin and separation. And so we place our trust in you for salvation. We depend on you. We lay these things before you. We ask for your healing, your wholeness, your hope. And we ask for your joy that we might delight in our salvation and rest with peace in the hope of eternal life to come with you. Amen.